Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture of wine. Today we're going to be looking at sweet wine, how sweet wine is made, why it tastes like it does, and where it's made as well. So let's start by looking at how sweet wine is made. So sweet wine is all about the sugar that is in the wine, which gives that sweetness. And there are many different ways of maintaining the sugar in the wine. The first and most basic wine is simply by adding a sweet component to a dry wine. For example, by adding unfermented grape juice to the wine, or by adding a sweet wine to a dry wine. Another way is by interrupting fermentation. And there are three ways that fermentation can be stopped. One is by adding a high alcohol spirit. And this is how port is made, by adding a 78% alcohol brandy to the wine as it's still fermenting, which kills the yeast, stops the fermentation, and leaves lots of residual sugar in the wine. Another way is by adding sulphur, which will also kill the yeast and stop the fermentation. Or we can cool the temperature of the fermentation so that the, the fermentation stops, because yeast will only react with the sugar in the wine at certain temperatures. And then once that fermentation has stopped, the yeast is filtered out of the wine, leaving the residual sugar. But perhaps the most classic method of um, making a wine sweet is by concentrating the sugar in the grapes naturally. And so there are several ways that the sugar can be concentrated. One is simply by leaving the grapes on the vine after the harvest, so that the grapes get riper and riper, perhaps even beginning to dry and shrivel and this concentrates the sugar as the grapes begin to lose water. This can also be done after the harvest and after the grapes have been picked by drying the grapes for several weeks or even several months, allowing them to dry and shrivel so that they become, almost become like raisins. This again concentrates the sugar. Another way, and perhaps the most famous, is noble rot. A noble rot is a fungus or a mold which attacks the grapes when they're still ripe, they're still healthy, it happens after the harvest, it happens in humid conditions, particularly in the morning, and then dry, warm afternoons, allowing the grapes to just continue to develop semi-naturally, but to having that mould. And what that mould does is draw the water out of the grapes to concentrate the sugars. And some of the great sweet wines are made in this method, which is an expensive, time-consuming, laborious method of making a wine, which is why these wines are so expensive and so highly prized. And then finally, another way of um, making a wine sweet, or to concentrate the sugars, is ice wine. And this is allowing the healthy grapes to freeze in really cold conditions. The grapes are usually picked at night when it's well below freezing. And those freeze frozen grapes concentrate the sugar because all the water in the grapes is, fro is frozen. And so that produces a very lusciously sweet wine. So let's look at the different regions across Europe which have historically made sweet wine. And we'll start with Sauternes in Bordeaux, one of the most famous and historic sweet wine producing regions in, in Europe. And Sauternes is by the river Garonne and the smaller tributary Seron. And Garonne has a warmer effect on the climate, whereas the river Seron has a cooler effect on the climate. So these two rivers coming together make conditions ideal for the development of noble rot, with the cool, humid mornings, also mists in the evening, but then the warm afternoons, which is just what you want for noble rot. There is still vintage variation, and this is an important thing with noble rot. It's not easy to, it's just not natural for it to happen in a consistent way from year to year. One 
one of the many reasons why the wines are so expensive. There are five communes within Sauterne. Sauterne itself, also Barzac, which is probably the, the commune you're most likely to see labelled separately, and that produces a slightly lighter style than um, Sauterne itself. There's also Prignac, Bomb, and Farg, which is a bit richer. There are um, three different grape varieties used in Sauterne. Semillon, which produces the weight and body and structure for the wines. Sauvignon Blanc, which adds the acidity and the freshness which you need in a sweet wine to balance the sugar. And um, less used is Muscadelle, which is an aromatic grape, just adds that perfumed aromas. And usually a Sauterne will be 80% Semillon, 15-20% to Sauvignon Blanc, with maybe 5% of Muscadelle. The alcohol here is high, and it has to be at least 13%, and usually there's 14% alcohol. And so the alcohol can get high because there is less um, sugar in the grapes than, for example, in Germany with the Trockenbeeren Auschleser, which we'll look at in a moment. And so the alcohol um, gets high with a long fermentation, which can either stop naturally as the yeast just die out and can't react with the sugar anymore, or it can be stopped by adding sulfur or by cooling the temperature. And so usually that, that stops either naturally or artificially at around 14% alcohol. So the grapes are ripe and full of sugar, but the noble rot also adds glycerol, which gives that really extra perception of sweetness, even though it's not coming from the sugar. also adds aromas of marmalade and orange peel and dried apricots, and it, as well as concentrating the sugar. But, as I've mentioned, these wines are expensive because the grapes are hand-picked, they must be picked late on in the harvest, and we just don't know if noble rot's going to happen. And because they're picked late in the harvest, there's a risk of frost or rain as conditions get cooler. Low yields. The maximum yields in Sauterne are 25 hectolitres per hectare, but a very famous property like Chateau du Quem, they pick at 9 hectolitres per hectare, so very, very low yields. And the average in Sauterne is around 10 to 15 hectolitres per hectare. And that harvest can last two months, so there's a lot of work involved. The grapes are gently pressed, and the third pressing is what usually produces the richest juice. And also, there's new oak used in Sauterne, which again adds to the expense, as well as adding spicy um, structure to the wines. Because vintages are variable, chaptalization is allowed in Sauterne, only happens in the weak vintages where the noble rot hasn't developed, but it only adds sweetness, it does not add complexity. So chaptalization is simply adding sugar to the wine. Also controversially is syrofermentation, which is freezing the wine, so reproducing that ice wine effect to really concentrate the sugars. That's extremely controversial and only used in the very difficult vintages. Producers to look out for, of course, Chateau du Quem, very, very expensive, very famous. Also Chateau de Fargue, Chateau de Gillette, and Chateau Raymond Lafont. And then in Barzac, there's also Chateau Climen, Chateau Coutet, and Doisy Dayen. But those wines are expensive, so let's go to a slightly less expensive region, which is Montbazillac, which is further inland in the region of Bergerac. And this is a, um, a region which uses very similar style to Sauterne from the same grape varieties. Historically not that high quality, but quality has been improving greatly since 1993, when the rules and regulations were changed in Montbazillac to focus on quality. Here, the north-facing slopes get the fog, which results in the noble rot. Noble rot is only there for the best wines. The lesser wines have, are just simply from overripe grapes, of the late harvest style. Hand-picked, so Montbazillac used to allow machine harvesting, 
greater focus on quality results in hand-picked wines, high yield, higher yields than Sauterne, but maybe less alcohol as well. And producers here to look out for are Chateau Terrell la Gravière, Chateau Bellingard, and Chateau Le Brie. Going further south, we go to Jurenson in the foothills of the Pyrenees. So this is a hilly region. And Jurenson is quite different from Sauterne and Montbaziac because it's late harvest wines, not noble rot. And the best grape for these sweet wines is Petit Monson. And this has small, thick skins. There's no noble rot here, as I mentioned, and the grapes are picked by a method called passerillage, which is simply going through the vineyard several times, waiting for the grapes to get dried and shriveled and overripe. And the pickers are looking for the perfect balance between high acidity and lots of sugar. And it's actually mandatory to have at least two passes through the vineyard. This is the latest harvest in France, so the picking can continue well until the end of November. This is a region which has um, limestone, sand, clay, and really stony soil. Frost can be an issue, and also Atlantic rainfall comes in. So conditions can be slightly tricky, especially with that late, late harvest. But these are very good value. Re usually around 13% alcohol. Residual sugar is around 50 grams per litre, so not too sweet, because it's overripe grapes rather than noble rot. And the wines are floral and creamy, but there is still a bracing high acidity. Going much further north, we go to the Loire Valley, which is responsible for two great sweet wine regions. So the Loire is a lot cooler than the three regions we've just looked at, which makes the vintages very unpredictable. You just don't know how ripe the grapes are going to get, and whether the noble rot is going to affect those grapes. This also means high acidity, but also less alcohol. It's not as rich as the wines of Bordeaux or Jurançon. The grape is Chenin Blanc. This is a grape which has harsh acidity when young, but makes it very age-worthy as it get the, grape, the wines get richer and richer. So we have Coteau de Léon and Vouvray are the two regions for sweet wines in the Loire Valley. And these regions are both focused on Chenin Blanc, so 100% Chenin Blanc. In Coteau de Léon, which is in the Anjou region, the best vineyards are on the steep slopes of the right bank of the River Léon, which is a tributary of the Loire and the grapes here are either overripe or have noble rot. And again, we have several tries or passes through the vineyard to pick the grapes when they're in the ideal condition. So whether they're overripe or have noble rot really depends on the vintage. The wines end up having around 100 grams per litre of residual sugar, so twice as sweet as Jurançon, though the best ones can have 200 grams per litre, so really sweet uh, because they've got that extra richness and extra concentration of sugar from the perfect vintages. Yields in Cotolulion are 30 hectolitres per hectare, so slightly higher than Sauterne, and there is a huge variation in quality in Cotolulion. Several villages which can add the name to the appellation, which will be an indication of higher quality, and then there are two subregions as well. Card de Chaume, which has 22 hectolitres per hectare of um, yields, um, that's maximum yields, and there's only 30 hectares planted here, so it's pretty small. And this is a south-facing amphitheatre, so it really soaks up the sun. The vines are old, really rocky, schist, car carboniferous soils. And these wines are only made in the best vintages, and they're quite powerful. And then there's Bonazzo, which has 110 hectares, so a bit larger, really steep slopes, and the wines end up being richer than Card de Chaume. Um, if you want to try some producers from these regions, try Chateau Pierre Bise, Vincent Ogoro, or Philippe Delisvaux. Then also in the Loire is Vouvray, but this is further inland than Coteau de Leon, 
and so we don't get noble rot. This is all from overripe grapes. So again, there's a huge vintage variation in this cool climate, depending on how ripe those grapes are when they get picked. Again, high acidity. And the sweet wines are at best um, with age, because the acidity allows that aging, but also gradually that acidity will soften over time. These wines will have no oak. It's all about the purity of the sweetness and the, um, the grape variety. So let's move away from France and go to Germany. Germany is all about the ripeness of the grapes when they're picked because this is a cool climate so getting the grapes ripe and fully ripe and even overripe is quite difficult. So we mentioned um, we can add unfermented grape juice to a wine to make it sweet. This happens in Germany with inexpensive mid-priced wines and they call it Zerse Reserva, that's what they add to the wine to make it sweet. But the really high quality wines are all about how ripe the grapes are when they're picked, how packed full of sugar are they. And this is broken down into several categories. So we start with Cabinet, then we go to Spätlaser, and then to Auschlaser. And with these categories the grapes get riper with each, each one. These wines can actually be anything from dry to medium sweet, but we go from delicate Cabinet, riper Spätlaser to richer Auschlaser, regardless of the um, sweetness the wines are going to get richer and more powerful. If you want to know how sweet the wine is, look at the alcohol. The lower the alcohol, the sweeter the wine. And then we have the Bärenauschläser and Trockenbärenauschläser categories, which are um, always sweet. Bärenauschläser will have dry, shriveled grapes really late on in the harvest, and maybe some noble rot as well, whereas Trockenbärenauschläser is all noble rot. So very low alcohol, just 6 to 8%, because there's so much sugar in these grapes, so packed full, so concentrated, that full fermentation is impossible. Very expensive for that reason, because there's very little juice coming out of the grapes. And even to add to the expense, Trockenbeeren Auschläser can be picked hand, but grape by grape. Not just bunch by bunch, but grape by grape. So really high focus and quality. And these wines have high acidity, with low alcohol, with the classic noble rot aromas of marmalade and orange peel and dried apricots. Two best regions for the sweet wines are Mosul, which are going to be more delicate because it's cooler, and Rheingau, which is going to be richer and where the great Trockenbeerenauschläsen come from. And then we also have Eiswein from the frozen grapes, which we mentioned previously. Then Austria, similar system to Germany. This is a warmer climate than Germany, so it's much easier to get the grapes fully ripe, and so it's much more common to see Beerenauschläser and Trockenbeerenauschläser than it is in Germany. And so if you want to try a Bärenauschläser or a Trockenbärenauschläser without spending too much money, Austria is a good bet. Um, the best sweet wines are usually produced in Bergenland, which has a naturally humid climate, ideal for the uh, development of noble rot. There are some differences um, from Germany besides um, the climate. Cabinet is not a Prädikatsvine, it's a Kalatetsvine, so just a different uh, categorization. Also, there are two other styles of sweet wine which don't exist in Germany. There's Strohwein, which means straw wine, which has the same must weight as Eiswein and Bärenauschläser. So the, the, the grapes, when they're picked, have the same weight, so the same level of sugar. But these are from overripe grapes rather than from noble rot grapes. No noble rot. And these overripe grapes are dried on straw, which and allowing the, those grapes to dry for a period of time really concentrates the sugar to get that level of ripeness or level of concentration producing in the sweet wine. And then there's also Ausbruch. 
which is from the village of Rust on the shore of Neuseelsee. So the lake here really adds to that humid climate, ideal for the production of noble rot. And this is a style which is in between Berenauschleser and Trockenberenauschleser in terms of the ripeness of the grapes. And the grapes will be shriveled and will have noble rot. Moving on to Italy, there are two classic styles of sweet wine in Italy, both called Recciotto. And this is in the area near Lake Garda, Suave and Valpolicella. So Recciotto de Suave is made from Garganaga grapes, which are dried, either hanging from rafters or, or laid out on mats until March after the harvest, so drying for six months to concentrate those sugars. Low yields and a very long staggered harvest. Sometimes there's botrytis, which gives an extra richness to the grapes, but the concentration of the sugar is all com comes from the drying of the grapes. And then, after four to five or even six months, the grapes will be pressed to produce a wine with medium to high alcohol. Then there's Ricciotto de Valpolicella, which has a high, high level of alcohol. This wine is made from grapes that receive the sun early in the day, in contrast to Amarone, which receives the sun late in the day. So just the different grapes um, in terms of how they receive the sun. And these grapes are picked in late September to maintain the high acidity. They're dried either on the rafters or on mats until January, which really concentrates the sugar and gets the sweetness. And then there's a long fermentation. So this is one of the few sweet red wines in the world. Quite unusual now, but this is a style which dates back 2000 years, all the way to the Romans. And so it will taste like a red wine with oak and with tannins and with red fruits, with high acidity, but with lots of sugar as well. Then finally, we go to Hungary, which is one of the historic regions for sweet wine production, particularly in the region of Tokai, to the um, east of the country. Here, the soils are volcanic over a layer of lurse, very stony, which retains the daytime heat during the cool autumn nights and mornings. This is a harsh climate, so very cold winters, but very hot summers. And those hot summers, moving into cool autumns, but which are autumns which are sunny and dry, results in a very late harvest. And the botrytis is develops from fog, which comes in from the rivers, which are east and west of the region. So the humid climate and the foggy climate is ideal for the production for the development of botrytis or noble rot and the production of sweet wine. Everything will be hand harvested, as is always the case with noble rot, and the harvest will be in November, lasting 20 to 30 days, as the growers go through the vineyard several times, allowing the noble rot to, to, to develop fully. Low yields, of course. So the grapes which have the noble rot are called azu berries. And the way that tokai is made is by mixing the azu berries, either before, during, or after fermentation, with dry wine, a, a dry base wine. And these are stirred together. And what happens when mixing these two together is that the dry wine adds alcohol. But mixing them together also extracts tannins and glycerol to give that extra richness and sweetness to the wine. After that happens, there's usually a second fermentation, and this will add about 1-2% to alcohol. And these wines age for a long time in mouldy cellars that have high humidity, again adding to the style of the Tokai, usually in new Hungarian oak, certainly for the best wines. Okay, so that's the range of sweet wines produced around Europe. So lots of different styles, different grape varieties, and different um, levels of quality. But sweet wine is usually very high quality because it takes a lot of work and a lot of expense to make. Have these wines with food. General rule of thumb is that the sweet 
the wine has to be sweeter than the food. So that's why the rich levels of sweetness in these wines are so important with the, with dessert. Acidity must always be high as well to balance the sweetness. Thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. <laughs>